Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Thanks for finding us on the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in lovely Tampa, Florida. As we approach the Labor Day weekend, we are officially underway in the college football season. Week zero last week. There were a handful of games last week, and this week, Labor Day weekend, the full college football slate gets going. National Football League starts in less than a week on Thursday night after Labor Day with the Buffalo Bills heading out to Los Angeles to face the Rams on Thursday night, and then a full slate of NFL games on Sunday and Monday, 9-11 and 9-12. So we got an exciting, exciting next couple of weeks for all of us football fans all around the world. Got a great opportunity to see some teams play in week one. First thing I want to talk about is we're going to hit, hit some things here. Want to make an announcement. We've got a great former head coach that's going to be joining us throughout the football season. Former head coach Jim Levitt of the USF Bulls is going to be our guest analyst every week, both here on the Powers on Sports podcast as well as the Florida Football Insiders podcast, which I host as well. So definitely find us as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Florida Football Insiders will be a weekly podcast focused on all things state of Florida college football. And I also host the No Quarter Given podcast, which focuses strictly on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, three avenues that you can find us, all kinds of football knowledge on all three different podcasts. But again, Coach Jim Levitt, former head coach, University of South Florida, he built that program from the ground up. As the first ever head coach, he'll be joining us every week to go over coaching strategies, schemes. We're going to talk. We're going to get on the inside about what's what it's like to be a head football coach. He was a very good defensive coordinator throughout his career as well. So we're going to get into all the little things. We're not going to talk as much X's and O's about certain players on teams, but we're going to talk about coaching decisions, how to build a program, the transfer portal. All the different things that go into running a college football program and being a head coach. So you're going to get a lot of great insight with Coach Levitt. And again, we're going to simulcast that podcast, that interview segment each week. We're calling it the Coach's Corner segment with Coach Jim Levitt every week. We're going to pot. We're going to simulcast it both on Florida Football Insiders and the Powers on Sports podcast beginning next week. Coach Levitt will be on the Florida Football Insiders podcast this week, but we'll start his simulcast next week on the powers on sports podcast as well so um, let's get we're also later on in this podcast we're going to break down the afc and nfc wests of the national football league with tyler jones chat sports host and analyst he's also has his own podcast called the jones report and he's also part of the college gridiron coast to coast podcast network as well he's going to be talking all things big 12 uh, for the podcast network as well. So we're going to have a great guest. We're going to break down all things AFC and NFC West here in just a few moments. But let's get to a couple points before we get to Tyler Jones. Scott Frost and Nebraska. What else can go wrong? How many more ways can Nebraska find a way to lose here in these last couple of years under Scott Frost? S Nebraska Northwestern played in Dublin last weekend. Over the weekend, Nebraska up 11 points. 28-17 mid-third quarter, and after they score to go up 28-17, he decides to onside kick a disastrous move that backfires. Northwestern recovers, goes right down the field and scores, takes all the momentum away from Nebraska. Northwestern pulls an upset, stunning, a double-digit dog. They win 31-28 in Dublin to really put a major crank in the Nebraska uh, start of their year, and, and Scott Frost definitely, absolutely on the hot seat in Lincoln. Again, just for whatever reason, inexplicably, he calls an onside kick. Uh, doesn't work. 
uh, and it just turns into a disastrous result. Again, Nebraska, if you followed them the last couple of years, they have lost every which way you can imagine losing a football game. They've lost so many close games, it's not even funny. But it will be a major test for this Nebraska team to bounce back for a very winnable game. They should have beat Northwestern. Northwestern's predicted to be at the bottom end of the Big Ten this year. Give uh, Pat Fitzgerald credit. Halinski played well at quarterback. The guy gets the most out of his kids most every year up at Northwest. The guy's a great football coach. But big problems developing in Lincoln with Scott Frost. Next item, Serena Williams' final U.S. Open appearance. She's advanced to the second round. Uh, Big crowd, big ovation on Monday night in Arthur Ashe Stadium, prime time. She gets through the first round. This, all indications this will be her final tournament as a professional, going to retire. She is playing doubles with her sister Venus as well, so that'll be a little bit of intrigue throughout the U.S. Open, but hopefully Serena can make a little bit of a run. It would be some awesome drama if she can make it to the weekend, maybe to Labor Day, uh, you know, for the coverage of, of the tennis on ESPN. It'd be a great story if she can make a little run here. Uh, she's got a tough second-round match, but again, if anybody who can make a run – uh, Serena Williams can. You go. You remember back 1991, Jimmy Connors at age 39 made a made an unbelievable run at the Open. Uh, made it all the way to the semifinals at 39 years old. Serena's 40 plus now. Uh, she she's struggled here in the last six eight months. Only played a few matches. Not done very well. And this is obviously her swan song in New York as as a, as a legend player. Uh, Say what you want about Serena. She's done some uh, questionable things off the court with line judges and uh, umpires and other players in the past, but she's an all-time great. She's one away from tying the uh, most majors ever won won by a woman. She's probably not going to get there unless she wins this tournament, but what a career she's had. What a uh, lot of changes she's forced the the tennis tour to make with being uh, such a vocal and uh, dominant African-American player. How many more African-American players have joined professional tennis because of her inspiration, her and Venus Williams, to be honest. Both those sisters have done so much good for the sport of tennis. And again, she's not been perfect off the court with some of her antics, but what a player she is. What a legend. And let's just celebrate Serena Williams and her swan song tournament in Flushing. Hopefully she can make a great run. She'll be playing prime time Wednesday night at ESPN. Uh, but again, you won't see her during the day. It'll be all primetime matches with Serena. And again, hopefully she can make a uh, magical run in her final U.S. Open appearance. So um, there's the Tennessee. Remember, no Djokovic at the Open. is not vaccinated. And, and New York New York uh, requires everybody to be vaccinated to play. Can't get into the country because he's not vaccinated. Uh, not a fan of Djokovic for the, on, this, on this topic at all. He's just wasting tournament uh, major opportunities. Remember, he was uh, banned from playing in Australia. He didn't play very well at the French Open. Made it one Wimbledon, but uh, but again, missed opportunities here to to, to win a, a major here where there's several guys missing. Nadal is probably the biggest name available. Sipsy Pass lost on Monday night in the first round, so the number four seed went down. So again, this is a this tournament's wide open. Nadal coming off a foot injury, no guarantee to win this tournament. So don't be surprised if you get an unknown winner here in the men's side of the draw uh, as well. And again, the women's side will be will be wide open as well. There's no dominant player on the women's side right now. So a very wild and uh, dramatic U.S. Open could be in store for us if you're a tennis fan. You know, I love watching tennis, especially the majors, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, night matches at, in New York City. One of these days I will get to New York for, for the U.S. Open for some night matches because that's just a great theater. You know, I remember growing up in the, in the early 90s watching U.S. Open night matches and such and such drama has, has unfolded late night at the U.S. Open. There's matches till 12.30, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning when you get some five setters and such with the men especially. So uh, check out the U.S. Open if, you're, if you like tennis. You'll be on the U.S. Open, but if you're if you're just a casual sports fan, check out some of the night matches. U.S. Open will be all over the ESPN networks as we move through the next two weeks. So, Rory McIlroy wins the FedEx Cup with a dramatic comeback against Scotty Scheffler at the Tour Championship in Atlanta. It's hard. It's Rory's third FedEx t- Cup title, so good for Rory. Um, Last couple things we'll hit before we get to Tyler Jones. Preseason is over, thank God, in the National Football League. 
What a what a what unwatchable football for the most part. I mean, I'm a, I'm as big a diehard fan as anybody out there, but it is really hard to watch these preseason games. So many of the guys, so many of the starters, lack of starters played. You know, only a couple series here and there. Tom Brady is back for the Buccaneers. Um, you know, all the roster cuts are happening this week, so you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of releases, a lot of guys getting picked up off waivers, a lot of guys getting added to practice squads and such. You'll probably see some trades in the next. Uh, uh, a couple of days as well with these rosters having to get to 53. Remember that practice squads are expanded. I think they can add up to like 16 guys on the practice squad. So there's going to be a lot of practice squad guys. And I think of those 16, you can even keep a couple veteran guys on your on the, on the kind of the taxi squad type of situation. Guys that have been in the league four, five, six years that are valuable that you don't want to release. So there's some interesting ways that the, these rosters will be constructed. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, big news out of San Francisco, decides to restructure his contract and stay with the 49ers as the backup. I think it's a good move for the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't want to get cut or traded and go to the to theoretically Seattle or a bad team, the Jets, somebody like that, and then get beat up all year, and then you go into free agency with a down year. I'd rather, if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, stay behind Trey Lance. Even if you don't play this year, your value's going to be up still because you've got to have a good career. You're a good team leader. You've shown you're a great teammate in this whole Trey Lance situation. And worst case scenario, if Trey Lance gets hurt or drastically underperforms, remember the 49ers are in a win mode now win-now mode. They, they, they think they have a championship team, so it's a great insurance policy. If Trey Lance gets hurt, if he just drastically underperforms, Trey Lance is the starting quarterback. But after three or four games, if he is really underperforming and not playing well, there will be lots of sentiment for the 49ers to go to Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that's proven. We'll see what they do, how much rope they give Trey Lance. But again, this is an important year for Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, you don't want to waste another year on, on if Trey Lance isn't ready. And you couldn't go into this season with C.J. Beathard as the backup quarterback in San Francisco. So I think it's a good move for both parties. Jimmy Garoppolo takes a little bit of a haircut from his salary, but he's still going to make plenty of money. He's going to be the clamor of all the San Francisco fans wanting to see him in the game if Lance struggles. I definitely think he'll be a professional teammate with Lance and help Lance because he knows he's going to be a free agent next year no matter what. And I think this is going to help his trade value or his value on the market even if he doesn't play this year. I think his value is going to be up and he's going to have some opportunities in the offseason to go be a starter somewhere else. But if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't want to be going to Seattle this year who's going to be a dumpster fire. You don't want to necessarily go to Cleveland. Are you? I mean – you know, it's going to take you three or four weeks to learn the offense. And by the time you get comfortable, Deshaun Watson's going to be coming back in week 12, week 13. So, and they like Brissett enough. And I think Brissett and Jimmy G are pretty similar. So it's probably not that much of an upgrade. And if you're Cleveland, you you don't want to pay Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, 15, 18 million dollars to be the backup to, to Brissett for a few weeks. So again, a good move. And the other news of the, of the week, got, we got to hit on the, the, the stupidity of Matt Ariza, the punter in Buffalo. You know, the, the reports came out. He was involved in a gang rape situation, being accused of a gang rape, being involved while he was a senior last year at San Diego State. I mean, just absolute stupidity by a guy who who was going to be the Buffalo punter, was drafted, had a good preseason, was going to be the guy in Buffalo, career probably over in the National Football League over some stupidity that he did last year involving a minor, not even a, you know, just even even more sickening was it involved a minor again no excuse for his actions if he gets if he gets charged criminally with something and he gets convicted he's going to jail i mean other forget his football career this guy's going to jail uh if he's if he's charged with 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 statutory rape and convicted there'll be a lot of he'll be serving a long sentence but nfl career probably in dire straits uh, for the foreseeable future, no team's going to take a risk on a punter of all play positions with those kind of allegations. Terrible PR for your for your community if you bring that guy in. He ain't that good of a punter. Um, he ain't a Hall of Famer. So uh, Matt Ariza probably has ruined an NFL career. Probably has cost himself you know ten to twenty million dollars in his career as a National Football League punter potentially. So shame on you, Matt Ariza and. and and a, and a shout out to Brian Robinson, the Alabama running back who was carjacked and shot twice for the Washington Commanders. It looks like he's going to survive. 
non-life-threatening injuries, but a terrible situation happened to him, as well as the uh, Dolphins VP of Communications, who suddenly passed away over the weekend at 47 years old. Terrible story. Uh, but again, full uh, you know, full shout out to the Dolphins organization. And again, we're two weeks, less than two weeks, less than about ten days away from the National Football League season. Can't wait. We'll have you all the news and notes covered for you here on the Powers on Sports Podcast. Again, Jim Levitt will be simulcast starting next week on the Powers on Sports Podcast, as well as the Florida Football Insiders. Again, I'm hosting the Florida Football Insiders, Powers on Sports, as well as the No Quarter Given Podcast. So check us out, subscribe, rate, and review. And again, coming up next, Tyler Jones from Chat Sports, host and analyst. We're going to be breaking down all things AFC and NFC West. We'll be right back. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market for a new home as a first-time home buyer? Do you want to upsize your current living situation or maybe even downsize? The kids are gone. You want to downsize to a condo, townhouse, or a smaller home? Reach out to me at Titan Home Lending. You need an FHA loan, a VA loan, a conventional loan, a jumbo loan, even a bank statement loan for you self-employed uh, business owners out there. Reach out, Titan Home Lending, anywhere in the state of Florida, I can help you. From Key West to Pensacola to Orlando and everywhere in between, whether it's a primary residence, a secondary home, or even an investment property, I can help you get financed and get approved. So reach out to Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Thanks to our partners at Print and our real estate agent, Star Alvarado. If you're looking for full-service print and banner and sign needs, reach out to Print. Print is located in Tampa off a of Gun Highway in Northdale, Mabry. Phone number 813-498-2887. Again, full-service print options available to you. Banners, road signs, you know, corporate events, anything print-related, signs, banners. Print is your outlet. Reach out to Todd Tedesco, my guy. 813-498-2887. If you're in the real estate market and you're looking to buy or sell a home, Star Alvarado is your agent. She can help you on the buying side as well as the selling side. She's a terrific agent located here in the Tampa Bay area. She can service you anywhere in the Tampa Bay area. Reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Are you ready to profit this college football and NFL season? Do you need picks to make with your sports gambling outlet? Reach out to 813-542-7559. Picks to Profits offer a flat monthly fee of $100. You will get at least six picks every week for $100 a month. One flat fee, no excuses, no extra fees involved. Picks will be emailed and texted to you on game day, whether it's a Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, or even Monday night. Those picks will be texted straight to your device via text message and email. Let us do the work while you profit. Picks to profit, 813-542-7559. All right, welcome back, Powers on Sports Podcast. It is almost time for the National Football League to kick off. We were about one week away from the Rams and the Buffalo Bills on Thursday night, and no better person to talk all things AFC and NFC West preview than Tyler Jones. Tyler's the host and NFL analyst for Chat Sports. He's also the host of the Jones Report podcast. He's based out of Dallas, Texas. He's got a big roots with the Kansas City Chiefs. He covers the Seattle Seahawks uh, on a daily basis. So welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Jones. Jason, good to hear from you, man. Uh, right around the corner of preseason, just wrapping up, and the uh, start of the uh, NFL season just around here. Love to get to watch uh, some college football this weekend too, man. Uh, yep. it's, uh, it's good to be on with you. Thanks for having me. Speaking of college football, you're you're those Nebraska Cornhuskers, man. Those guys just cannot figure out a way to win, man. Win a game, unbelievable. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> as as somebody that you know grew up an Oklahoma fan and went to the University of Kansas, 
I love nothing more than when Nebraska football loses. <laughs> and even living up there, I'm like, oh, man, these this is going to be so entertaining. Um, and Because you know, I lived up in Omaha for a year. And it, it, I got to tell you, it, it is just entertaining. Anytime uh, Nebraska loses and finding new ways to lose uh, each time, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's great. So I don't know how much longer old, uh, Scott Frost has got, but as far as I'm concerned, you just, why, why don't they just go ahead and keep him? I, like, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So yeah, Tyler's a huge rock chalk Jayhawk fan, Kansas. Uh, real quick before we get to the NFL. What do you sense is going to happen with Kansas as far as alignment? You think they're going to stay in the Big 12, or you think they potentially go to the Big 10? What do you think happens there with Kansas? I think if the Big 10 is going to 20 teams, then um, I would say that their chances of staying in the Big 12 are pretty high. If it goes beyond 20, 24, or who knows where, then, yeah, we can talk about you know Big 10 discussions for KU at that point down the line, but – uh, I think their future is in the Big 12, and the uh, Big 12, I think, uh, is in good shape right now. I, I feel optimistic about the league going forward, and and uh, I'd much rather be the Big 12 than the Pac-12 right now. That's for damn sure. Yeah, Tyler's also going to be part of – those of you that know, I'm part of uh, the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Net- Network with T.J. Reeves. I'm hosting the Florida Football Insiders. Tyler's also a part of that uh, network as well. Uh, publicize what the podcast you're hosting the new one you're starting yeah so the uh, big 12 breakdown basically what we're doing is uh each week on the jones report we have our big 12 breakdown segments and uh, we're expanding that segment into basically its own show each week and so myself uh thomas bridges uh, my co-host will uh, just be breaking down all the happenings that's going on in the uh, big 12 each week and uh, everything from on the field to off the field with realignment and everything in between with some uh, great guests. Um, check it out uh, there on the uh, the network. Uh, we already have one show up with a former Oklahoma State quarterback, Clint Shelf, uh, who's with the uh, Oklahoma State Radio Network. So a great chat with uh, Clint Shelf available now. Very good. Very good. Very cool. Like I said, this uh, college gridiron coast-to-coast network is going to be a great thing. We're going to have podcasts from all over the country, every league covered, every, you know, big, big, Football area is going to be covered, Big 12, Pac-10, Big 10, SEC, ACC, Florida, everything in between. So check it out, uh, College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. All right, let's get to the National Football League. Let's start with your beloved Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, 12-5 and last year. You know, they lose in the playoffs again, um, late in the playoffs. Big acquisition. They, they, they obviously they they signed uh, Juju Smith Schuster, MBS. The big loss obviously was Tyreek Hill. They lose Tyron Matthew, Traverius Ward. Uh, first in the draft, they get Carlaftis out of Purdue, the defensive end. They they bring in a guy they like, Sky Moore, wide receiver. Just give me an overall sense of their offseason to date. Well, I think for the Chiefs, what you have to look at the the the, the big question is, did they? get any better and I don't think that they got any better from what they were last year with the moves that they made obviously the receiving core takes a a step back the defense did get much better um but the thing is you know the Chiefs are going to be a Super Bowl contender as we've come to expect them to be year in and year out but everyone else around them in that division got so much better Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, the idea of anyone in that division being the number one seed at this point is just impossible. It's not happening. And so with that said, I mean, the Chiefs, you're going through a gauntlet of the schedule. Yes. And, you know, it's going to be a challenge for this team. I mean, they are going to be tested all throughout the year. And, uh, you know, it's going to be physically demanding, too. I think that maybe more injuries come up with playing a tougher schedule compared to, you know, about everyone else in the league on that front. Uh, I'm excited to see what uh, Patrick Mahomes can do trying to adjust things. And I'll, I'll say this much where Patrick Mahomes can benefit with these, you know, these changes not having uh, Tyree kill anymore is that. I go back to the first preseason game when they were playing against the Chicago Bears. Mahomes played one series, and he went six for six on a, a touchdown drive. 
and found six different receivers, right. and it was all in the short passing game. And so for Patrick Mahomes, I think going forward, not having Tyreek Hill there is going to force him to become more of a short passing game thrower, to be more efficient that way. Right. And for, I look at that, that could ultimately be a positive. That could be right. a maturing process for Patrick Mahomes of not trying to force things that aren't there, not trying to look for Tyreek Hill to bail you out. You still have Travis Kelsey, too, the best tight end in football. So that certainly helps. So the, the offense will look different, but I still think that they're going to be a really good football team and still be uh, contending. Uh, I don't have them winning the division, though. I have the Chargers winning the division, but I do think that the Chiefs are still going to be very good. We are going to get to the Chargers in just a couple que- two questions on the Chiefs, and we'll move on. One, running game-wise, you know, are they are they focused? Are they going to try to be a little more balanced with with Edwards Hilaire? Maybe I know Ronald Jones. Not sure what his status is going to be. I know there's speculation he might get traded here before the regular season starts. They they signed a kid Pacheco or drafted a kid Pacheco out of Rutgers. Running game wise, and then defense. Can the defense just get better, man? Are they they're they're okay. They've been okay. Are they ever going to be a top 12, 13 defense in the league? So running game-wise, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been disappointing. I mean, no ifs or ands or buts around it, right? I mean, you know, former first-round pick and everything, the guy that Patrick Mahomes wanted and just hasn't been healthy. And when he has been on the field, he just hasn't been reliable. Um, The thing I'm watching for is I really liked what I saw from Jarek McKinnon at the end of last year. Um, He was their best running back last year, and he finished off the year really strong and was a good receiver out of the backfield. For me, I'm looking for, you know, whether it's the issues with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Obviously, you would want Clyde to be your number one running back for him to stay healthy and be good enough out there to play to his full potential. That would be what you want to see. But I think the most realistic option is that Jarek McKinnon is your guy leading the way, that he is uh, that number one back, and then you hope that Jones or – uh, Edwards Hilaire, one of the two, could be available as your number two back. I think that's what's realistic for the Chiefs in that end. And, um, you know, they're going to be a pass first football team always. I don't see that changing. Andy Reid has never liked to run the football. Um, and so I, I think you're looking at maybe a 60 40, 65 35 balance of pass versus run. And, and they'll, they'll use, I think, when we talked about the short passing game with Mahomes that can be a substitute for the run game uh, if they use that appropriately. So something to think about there Uh, in regards to the defense, uh, you know, Trent McDuffie, George uh, Carl Loftus, those picks that they've made going defense heavy there, I think are going to see tremendous improvements. I think Frank Clark is also going to be a lot better than what he was last year, as well as uh, Chris Jones, uh, I think those guys will step up and uh, we'll see the Chiefs uh, be at least top 15 defense, if not higher. I like what they bring to the table. And losing Tyron Matthew, I don't think it's that big of a deal, uh, as some people may think, because uh, they seem to be pretty high on Justin Reed, which Justin Reed brings to the table from Houston. And although the last couple of years weren't necessarily that great for Justin Reed, if you go back to what he did early on in Houston, when Houston was actually a contender and had talent around him, his numbers are really good. If they get that Justin Reed from a couple of years ago, then that defense, I think, is going to be in really good shape. And Juan Thornhill also needs to step up, too. I know he hasn't been healthy, but right. you don't have Dan Sorensen anymore either. Uh, lots could be asked of Juan Thornhill, and I hope that uh, he steps up and, and uh, elevates this defense. All right, let's move to Las Vegas. The Raiders, 10-7 and seven last year. They make the wild card. Lose to Cincinnati late in Cincinnati in that wild card game. They 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 obviously the whole John Gruden stuff last year. They don't retain Basaccia. They bring in the New England uh, New England train of uh, McDaniel's and Ziegler from New England to to lead the way. McDaniel's obviously getting his next opportunity. The huge acquisitions in the offseason. Devontae Adams they trade for. They signed Chandler Jones. Um, you know those are the monster offensive and defensive additions. You know, remember they also lost uh, Henry Ruggs last year with the whole drunk driving situation. My question is, can can Adams in the offense, can they elevate? Can Derek Carr, is he the answer quarterback to be the, the maestro of that offense with those weapons and with Josh McDaniels? I think uh, Derek Carr is going to have the best year of his career this year. Um, 
you know, Derek Carr gets disrespected a lot around the league. And I'm not the biggest Derek Carr fan either. I think he just kind of is what he is, you know, top 15 quarterback, not anything worse, not anything better than that. But you add Devontae Adams to the fold. You have Darren Waller there as well. Um, You know, people forget, people aren't talking about Josh Jacobs enough either. Josh Jacobs playing in a contract year, I think is a really good running back too. This offense is going to be very explosive there in Vegas. I will say this. I'm not high on Josh McDaniels. Uh, I mean, what he did in Denver, that was bad. That did not yeah. go well. Sure, he was yeah. younger. Maybe he had been a bit immature and wasn't ready for that job here. But I think the jury's still out on Josh McDaniels. Everything points to this team making big improvements, bringing in Devontae Adams and seeing what that run game is uh, going to do with Josh Jacobs and you know Derek Carr and all that, the, the improvements they made. But for me, I wonder if Josh McDaniels is going to hold them back at all or if he's going to take that next step that he needs to to be a really good head coach in this league. That's my one concern. I would have brought back Rich Versace. I thought he did everything that was asked of him last year. Right. Of all the turmoil that team went through with John Gruden to get to the playoffs like they did, I I, I thought he deserved that job. But uh, I guess uh, 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 Mark Davis thought otherwise. Defensively, this is where they've really struggled the last couple of years. They've just, I mean, they've drafted a lot of guys and with Mayock, and, and they brought in some guys that just maybe haven't developed quite quite where they thought they would go. Where do you think, to me, defensively, it's the secondary. The secondary's not been very good the last couple of years. And in that division with those quarterbacks, you got to be able to cover guys. Do you see any improvement on the defense, with, especially in the secondary? I mean, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, that defense has been so pitiful, um, you know, the last couple of years and if they make any improvements, uh, that remains to be seen at this point, but um, it, it seemed like they were so offensive focused this off season that some of those holes on that defense kind of got forgotten about of some sorts. I think that uh, it almost reminds me, uh, Jason, of kind of like a, a big 12 team that's hoping just to outscore its opponents and then the defense just get a couple turnovers or get a couple of stops at that point. That's not a path for success in the National Football League, historically speaking, but we'll see what the uh, Raiders can do. I think ideally they're going to think they're going to hope that defensive line with Chandler Jones and Matt Crosby makes the job of the back four much easier where you don't have to cover but a, a, maybe a right. couple seconds because of, the, because of that pressure because they've got tremendous defensive ends. Yeah, I liked bringing in Chandler Jones yep. uh, from Arizona, but, I mean, he is on the back end of his career too. Right, so you have right. to wonder what Chandler Jones are you getting at this point in his career in 2022? That, I don't know. If they get the Chandler Jones that we saw a couple of years ago, sure, watch out. Um, but to me, that's going to be a, a big path of their success is going to be what they get out of Chandler Jones. All right, let's head to Denver, Mile High City. Russell Wilson comes to town. New head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, the green, the former Green Bay OC. Denver was 7-10 and 10 last year. Fangio released uh, of his duties. They bring, like I said, they bring in Nathaniel Hackett. They bring in Russ, obviously, with the big trade. Randy Gregory comes over from Dallas. They lose Noah Fant in the trade to Seattle. They lose Shelby Harris in the trade. Two, good, two kind of unsung, really good, pretty good players. Uh, obviously, this is all centered around Russ. You have the defense, it seems like, in place. Can Russ elevate this offense? They haven't had a quarterback in a while. Can Russ be the difference maker in, in Denver? I think that uh, they will see a, a step up for sure. But I want to remind folks, too, Russell Wilson, I've thought, has been one of the most overrated quarterbacks in this league. Wow. Uh, quite frankly. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's a very good player, but I think that if, if you take that Super Bowl ring away from him, we have a much different perspective about Russell Wilson than right. the, than what he actually is, quite frankly. Um, you don't believe in him cooking? You don't believe in him cooking? You, you're right. You know, uh, <laughs> You know. With, with that said, you know, I, I, I look at this team and, you know, the, the receiving talents there. I mean, Cortland Sutton yes. is, uh, you know, is really good. You know, their, their run game, they got some good weapons there. Um, you know, w- w- with that said, this, this Denver Bronco team, I think, is 
is right on the edge of a borderline playoff team. I think they're right there with the Las Vegas Raiders. It's pretty close between those two as far as that gap goes. Um, you know, the, the offense uh, is going to be there. I, I like what, you know, some of those pieces we mentioned, like Cortland Sutton and others. and Jerry Judy. And, and Jerry, Jerry Judy. Judy. Jerry Judy, I think, could have a big breakout year in 2022. He could really step up and be a yep. Pro Bowl caliber player. But uh, we'll see. There, there's still some other missing pieces there. They're not complete. I, I still think they're another year away from potentially contending for a Super Bowl. This, this will be a breakthrough year. Uh, they'll see a step up, but there's still a ways to go, I think. Remember, folks, there's seven teams now going to the playoffs in each conference. You have an extra wild card, so there's an extra opportunity to get into the playoffs there. So, you, you know, lots of people think this division could have three teams in the playoffs very easily, if not yes. potentially four, but if right. everything worked out correctly. Schedule well, so far, what we've seen, Jason, is in the uh, you know last couple of years, that seventh seed has been so irrelevant that it hasn't looked like a playoff team that you know whether it was Pittsburgh or Philly last year or right. uh you know prior to that I mean those teams have looked so bad so you may say okay yeah you could send three or four teams well history tells us that 17 isn't going to stand a chance in the playoffs we'll, we'll see if something changes but it does feel like a significant gap no doubt no doubt one thing I the one question I have with Fangio gone, is the defense still going to be elite? I know you got good players over there, but you got a new new DC, probably a new scheme to some degree. Can that defense still be elite while the offense catches up? Uh, I think so. Uh, Fangio was it, it was a really good defensive coach, um, right. but obviously it wasn't made out to be a head coach. But you still have a lot of the same key pieces there on that defense uh, for for Denver. Yeah, uh, I think that that defense is going to be fine. Uh, personally, I, I like what that group does, and and you know, for years, what have we said about the Denver Broncos? That you know, hey, they have the defense, they have those pieces, they have some offensive weapons. They just need a quarterback. They're a quarterback away. Well, now we're fi- we're about to finally find out if they truly were just a quarterback away. You're right. No, you're you're totally right on that. So. Uh, all right, we'll wrap up the AFC West. We're going back to LA, the Chargers, nine and eight. Brandon Staley's second year in charge. You know, the meltdown he had with the game management situation in week 17 against the Raiders last year really cost him a playoff berth. You know, that's to me, that's what we're going to talk about that in a second here. But they add Khalil Mack, they add JC Jackson in free agency, trade for Khalil Mack, they re sign Mike Williams, they draft another offensive lineman, Zion Williams, in the first round. They get a sneaky good pick in Isaiah Spiller at running back, a guy you probably are familiar with out of, from, I believe, Texas A&M to compliment Eckler. What are your – is it time for Her, – Herbert's done great stat-wise, but is it time to – it, does he have to do more of the leadership-type stuff elevating his team? I don't think he has to do more. I think he has to continue what he's been doing. Okay. Um, I think that uh, we're going to see Justin Herbert lead the Chargers to a division title – I think that Herbert's going to win the MVP this year. There you and, go. I like uh, that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big year for Justin Herbert. I like everything about this Chargers team, what they bring to the table. Mike Williams, uh, terrific. You know, Austin Eckler back there as well. Uh, you know, th- th- this is going to be a fun team to watch. And yes. you mentioned Brandon Staley. And, you know, what I find fascinating, everybody has been so hard on Brandon Staley for – you know, what went down of calling the timeouts uh, in, you know, the week 18 game and, uh, you know, going forward on fourth down against the Chiefs and potentially costing him, you know, two games right there, the difference of the playoffs. You know, here's the other thing, though. If they convert those things, if those things go his direction, aren't we spending all offseason talking about how much of a genius Brandon Staley is? And, wow, you know, the, the way that he, in his first year, how aggressive he was. Personally, I like a coach that's aggressive. I don't – I mean, sure, it didn't work out, but he showed confidence in his team. He, he instilled right. that belief. And I think that part of that can pay off in the long run when your coach has that confidence in you know, like that. I mean, we saw a few years ago when, uh, when Frank Wright, uh, against the uh, Texans, right. decided to right. go for it on fourth down on his own end instead of going for the tie and punting it, and they lost the game, but his team was motivated and found a lot of confidence the rest of the way that year. 
for that Indianapolis Colts team. And so I think Brandon Staley here, with with what he did last year, I would think that he's won over that locker room. I think Brandon Staley is a very good coach, a very good defensive coach, did a good job with the L.A. Rams before that. And, you know, the, the Khalil Mack signing for me, you know, we're, we're in a day and age, you have all this some really good defensive talent. You know, Aaron Donald, T.J. Watt, you know, all yeah. these guys. But I got to tell you, from what I've seen – out of Khalil Mack. I mean, that's he, he's going to be a first bout Hall of Famer. Right. Uh, and, and I remember him coming out of Buffalo, too. Like, wow, the tape on this guy is just incredible. And, you know, I, I still think about that game, Jason, when he almost single-handedly beat the Packers yeah. with his first game in Chicago and just, you know, just gave Aaron Rodgers havoc all night long. I still think he can be that same player. I do too. that he's still capable of that. I don't think he's lost a step here. And I think. And you pair him with Bosa and you pair him with Bosa on the other side. Right now he has talent around him compared to the bad situation he was in with Chicago with, uh, you pair him with Bosa and those players there watch out. I mean, this chargers defense is going to be lethal. And, you know, we, we mentioned going up against the quarterbacks in this league, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you're, you're, you're in for an awakening when you go up against this Charger defense. Right. You're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do pass protection-wise knowing that we got to go up against these great pass rushers like this? It's going to be a problem. No doubt. No, that many people think the Chargers are the most talented team in the league on both sides of the ball from 1 to 53, that they've got the most talent. They re-signed Derwin James in the offseason to a big extension as well. So lots lots of excitement and, and, and optimism. And in they LA. were – they were criticized for the Derwin James extension because of his lack of health. Right. Um, but if you're the Chargers, I think you know the talent's there. Injuries yeah. sometimes don't go your way. Um, yeah. If you're the Chargers, I think you had to make oh, that move. Oh, I agree. Uh, he's a freak athlete at safety. You had to make that move. I mean, if, if you are serious about being a contender yes. and building this thing for the long term, that's just a risk you have to accept with that type of talent. I agree, I agree wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. All right, listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. Tyler Jones, NFL host, analyst for Chat Sports, and the host of the Jones Report podcast, as well as the Big 12 podcast as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast network. We're doing AFC and NFC West previews. We've wrapped up the AFC West. Sounds like you like the Chargers. I'm going to stick with your beloved Chiefs until I see differently. They win the division every year somehow, some way. But I do think it'll come down to the head-to-head matchups between the Chiefs and the Chargers to see who wins that division. It wouldn't shock me if they tied in the standings and one of them wins a tiebreaker type type situation uh, in the playoffs. So They've tied before. Yes. So. All right, let's go to the NFC West. San Francisco 49ers made a big run to the NFC title game last year. They lose to the Rams. Ten and seven. There's a lot of playoff inter- intermingling in this division from last year. Ten and seven. Shanahan and Lynch. They add Tremarius Ward. They re- they re-signed Debo to a big extension. The only thing to talk about here with the 49ers is one one two words. Trey Lance. Do you believe in him? Do you think he's the guy? They're they're putting all their eggs in his basket. Go. So here's the thing. I look at with Trey Lance. I think that obviously the jury's still out on Trey Lance. We haven't seen much on him, and still very raw. But at the same time, too, how bad was Jimmy Garoppolo the last couple of years? I mean, it was it was not great what we saw out of Jimmy G. No. Um, he did enough. You know, he managed the game, you know, to get them to the NFC Championship game. But, I mean, that's one thing I'm looking at is, okay, Lance still has a ways to go. But realistically – if he just plays like Jimmy G did, right. they're going to be fine. Right. I mean, I don't think that's asking too much of a guy in his second year in the league that's been in the system and all this. Can he at least do what Jimmy G did? I mean, to me, that that's not that shouldn't be a tall task to ask of Trey Lance. Um, but remember, too, that's not why they brought him in. They didn't bring him in just to be another Jimmy G. No, right. they brought him in because they wanted him to be, you know, a superstar quarterback. Movement, the, so, the flexibility in the offense, the movement, the bootlegs, all that kind right, of stuff. Right. And so with that, I think with Trey Lance, what, what they need to see is some big playability. With Jimmy Garoppolo, you were never going to, you know, run, 
you know, a vertical passing game and right. move the football downfield that way. They were always going to be run heavy and try to open up the play action that way. With Trey Lance, what you want to see is him be able to move the football through the air and get a vertical passing game and not rely on your running game so much. Yep. If, if Trey Lance can do those things, you're not asking him to be MVP this year. You're asking him just to be able to move the football and, and you go about things that way then the 49ers are going to be just fine. I mean, this team is loaded. Uh, I'm glad that things worked out with Debo Samuel uh, after the initial trade request to get him the uh, contract extension. And then also to work out, you know, the idea of him still being a running back at times too. Um, You know, the versatility, I I know that the wear and tear on the running back position is, is brutal, but, I mean, you, you got to use players to the best of their abilities. Yeah. And, and Debo Samuel, if, if he can be, you know, a five, running back. Five carries a game. You give him five carries a game. Five, whatever six it may be. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Use him to the best. Get the most you can out of Debo Samuel. I don't yep. think that's asking too much. No. And you, so, got, and you got Kittle and you got Ayuk. They got, they got weapons. They got a good running back core with Mitchell and Trey Sermon. I mean, they got play, yeah. they got players. He, he, Trey Sermon uh, was really good at Oklahoma and then Ohio State too. Yeah. Um, he's a guy I would use more of, and and maybe that's how you relieve some of those carries from Debo Samuel is right. using Trey Sermon more in that run game. I mean, you know, George Kittle is is right up there with one of the uh, one of the best in the league. For me, though, I, I got to see George Kittle be more healthy, though. He's got to be out there on the field more. I mean, you think about last year. They were 10-7 and seven and got to the NFC Championship game. But if they would have had you know, some of those guys, you know, like Kittle and others, for most of the season, I mean, who knows? They could have won 12, 13 games last year. Right. I felt like we didn't see this team to its full potential, even with them getting the NFC title game. If, if we see Lance – you know, break out the vertical passing game and play better than Jimmy G, watch out. I mean, there's a chance the Niners could go to the Super Bowl this year. I'm with you. No, you're right. They're a very dangerous team. Very, very dangerous team. So, all right, let's head to uh, Los Angeles, the Super Bowl champion Rams. They 12-5. and five. Again, they beat uh, the 49ers in the title game. They beat the, they beat the Cardinals in the wild card game. You know, they add uh, Allen Robinson. They add Bobby Wagner, which is a sneaky, very good, very good signing. They lose Whitworth to retirement. Vaughn Miller goes to Buffalo. Darius Williams, their corner, leaves as well. They also leave, lose their OC. O- Kevin O'Connell goes to Minnesota to be the head coach. The uh, the old McVay tree strikes again to anybody around the league that thinks I got to get somebody from the McVay tree. Are you worried at all about Stafford's elbow? A lot of issues in training camp, rumors about his elbow. To me, that's worrisome when you have a quarterback that has an elbow injury. Um, what are your thoughts on his elbow? Uh, I, I'm not too concerned. Uh, I think that's something that can be worked through, uh, especially you know this early on. I don't think it's the end of the world that he's dealing with that elbow issue. And you know, of the the changes you made, the, the you know, as the Rams. The Bobby Wagner one is really interesting to me because here's a guy that, you know, they the, the did the NFL 100 ratings, you know, just you know, a week or two ago, was still in like the top 40, even this late in his career. And as good as he's, I mean, he's still playing in an elite level. And, you know, everyone was shocked when the Seahawks cut him uh, and, you know, all the money that they're still having to pay, you know, when it comes to dead cat money to Bobby right. Wagner. But, right. This is a guy that, you know, he, he felt kind of disrespected when the Seahawks let him go like that. And and now you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder or something to prove. I thought that was a very good signing to bring Bobby Wagner in. And, and you know, this offense last year was so dynamic with what they were able to do in the passing game. And, and you know, even when they lost Robert Woods, you know, they, they still found ways to, to move the football. Um you know, there's still a possibility they bring in Odell Beckham. Right, uh, there's been right. talk that they they want Odell back, but uh, you know, we saw what they did adding him midseason, and you know, was the perfect solution for when they didn't have Robert Woods out there. Maybe you bring Odell back, you know, some once he gets healthy 
And then there's another weapon still to your arsenal. I think that's possible you get Odell back. Another player I like that I think doesn't get enough respect from this Rams team is Tyler Higby okay. at tight end. I don't know how he gets forgotten about. I think Higby is very good. He's good about getting open. Maybe he doesn't get downfield a whole lot. Kind of reminds me of like Heath Miller or something yep. uh, when he was in Pittsburgh. To me, I, I think you can't forget about Higby. On top of everything with this Rams team, There's they have certain guys that just almost – go unnoticed for the work they do i mean jalen ramsey is still the best cornerback in this league i mean there's there's a lot going on for this rams team their window i mean it's not going to last long you know they only have a couple years of this thing eventually all those draft picks they don't have are going to catch up with them at some point but for now it looks like this team's still in good shape and um I, I don't have them coming out of the NFC again. I don't think they'll win the, win the conference, but I think they're going to be very good. No doubt, no doubt. And, and you mentioned, you know, Bobby Wagner. I think that's a great, sneaky, great hire, a great signing. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer as well. You mentioned Khalil Mack. Bobby Wagner's going to the Hall of Fame. As good as he's been in this league, as long as he's been a uh, Pro Bowl middle linebacker. My sneaky player here is year two after the Achilles, Cam Akers at running back. If he can be back to what he was at the end of his rookie year, I know he tried to come back at the end of last year, wasn't quite there yet. Maybe that another offseason of coming back from that Achilles, you fortify that running game. That's what, to me, if they can run the ball, that's, again, that opens up the play action and that opens up guys like Higby because Higby's always going to get man coverage. Because when you have Cup and you have Allen Robinson and all the weapons they have, Higby's going to be the guy that's not going to get all the attention and thus your, your point well taken. He can be a guy that's very lethal in spots where he's always going to, he can find, they're going to draw up some good, some plays for him because he's always going to be getting man coverage from either a a safety or a linebacker. So, all right. So let's, let's do this. We're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to have a commercial break. We're going to be right back and we will finish up with the, with the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. We're going to finish up with the Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, NFC West preview. Uh, as part of the Powers on Sports uh, NFL preview. Next week, we will wrap up the previews with the NFC and ASC South as we head into week one of the regular season. All right, let's head to the desert. Arizona, Phoenix, Kingsbury gets an extension in the offseason. They pretty much have mirrored Kingsbury, Kime, and Kyler Murray all together. Murray gets his extension. Kingsbury is, an ex- is extended, and Kime is extended. So they are... They are going all in with the, with this trio to, to lead the franchise. J- James Conner gets re-signed. Zach Ertz gets re-signed. They trade for Hollywood Brown. They give up their first-round pick for Hollywood from Baltimore. They do lose Chandler Jones. They lose Christian Kirk to the huge contract in Jacksonville. Just your thoughts about the Cardinals through the offseason. Uh, some, uh, some good moves, uh, from the Cardinals, uh, I thought throughout this off season, uh, the extension for Kingsbury, I thought was interesting because I think his hot, his seat is almost as hot as anybody in the league. Um, uh, you know, they, uh, you look at this, you know, this team, um, for, you know, what, what they bring to the table here, uh, with Arizona, I'm looking at a group that is so talented, right? You know, with Kyle Murray and those receivers and and everything here. I mean, the expectation should be not just get to the playoffs, but win a playoff game. Yeah. And if and and if Cliff Kingsbury can't coach a team to win a playoff game, then you have a big problem. You look at every year that he's been there, fast starts and then collapse down the stretch. Right. I mean, every time that's been the case with Arizona. They have to have some momentum going into the postseason. It can't be like it's been the last few years. And I like Kyler Murray a lot. I think he's you know very talented, but they have given him all the receivers he could ever want. I mean, yeah. with what they've made the last couple of years, with all the guys that they've brought in, the moves they've made there, I mean, that Cardinals team should be averaging 30-plus points a game. Right. I mean – you know, re- realistically, that's what they should be doing. And they found um, a running – they found a bit of a running game last year with Connor, too. James Connor had a good year for them. Is yeah. he great? No, but he's, but he's serviceable. Yeah, he, he's serviceable. I, I didn't like him in Pittsburgh. I thought I, – I think that he could do more. Um, but 
that's part of the reason why, you know, Kyler Murray, uh, you, you have a running back and quarterback kind of with what he can do running the football as well. So the run game there, you know, I have my question, my concerns about James Conner, but that offense is the passing game should be terrific. Uh, defensively, J.J. Watt, to me, I wonder, when do we start to see the decline, right? Right. Right. You know, as he gets older and throughout his career, we've seen the injury issues pop up. But what type of year do we see from J.J. Watt that I don't know at this point in his career? I I, I think everything's kind of year by year with J.J. at this point. And who I do like from this defense that I think is going to be vital to their success is Isaiah Simmons. Okay. Um, They drafted him a couple of years ago out out of Clemson dynamic player Isaiah Simmons I think can be a Pro Bowl caliber player um I think Isaiah Simmons needs to have a big year there, there's certain things you know that you can pinpoint to and say this guy is going to be the reason why this happens or the difference maker here for me I'm looking at for this team um Isaiah Simmons if he can be an all pro player that'll be a big step up but it's not about just having the fast start but also finishing strong for this team too and that remains to be seen yeah and Buda Baker in the secondary is a pro bowl safety and again to me the, your, your point about J.J. Watt how's he gonna play and how's he gonna produce with no Chandler Jones on the other side when more of the attention may, might go to J.J. Watt this year than it was in previous years when he had Chandler Jones on the side how does that work question for you about Kyler Murray you know him very well with, from his Oklahoma days leadership wise is this guy a leader of men or is he just a great athlete playing quarterback? I mean, good player quarterback, but can he be the leader that that franchise needs? Uh, good question. I, I do think that it's a bit overblown a bit. Um, you know, the the whole you know, Kyler Murray leadership aspect and all that. I mean, a lot of Study it hall, down. man. Study hall. I think it, it more of it, <laughs> it. I'm more concerned about Kingsbury than I am about Kyler Murray. Okay. Um that's where my issue, where I add up, you know, it, I think a lot of people are pointing blame to Kyler Murray, but a lot of it, I think, starts with the head coach and the head coach, you know, establishing the culture there. And I think that Kingsbury has run kind of a loose operation and let Kyler Murray, you know, you know get away with some things there. And to me, that, that comes down to coaching. I know that a lot has been put yeah. on Kyler Murray here, but for me, I think that's more on Kingsbury than anything else. So, I'm not concerned about, you know, Kyle Murray. I think that, you know, he's very talented. Uh, his teammates seem to like him, um, you know, as far, as far as that, indi- as far as I'm concerned here. So we'll just see, uh, you know, a lot to be played out here, a ways to go, but um, I, I look at that team. It's very talented. It's just a matter of thing, put it all together or not. All right, let's go to your wheelhouse, the Seattle Seahawks. I know you cover these guys on a regular basis and, and doing a lot of work with chat sports, covering them, Pete Carroll, they obviously, they get, they trade Russ in the off season. They kind of, they, they, they're kind of going through a reboot. Uh, they, they, they lose Bobby Wagner kind of, again, trying to, they're, they're getting younger. It sounds like for sure. And they're getting cheaper. Uh, they bring in Locke. They bring in fan as part of the trade. Geno Smith has been named the starter in Seattle now by Pete Carroll, uh, leading into the early part of the season. Uh, they draft Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State, to fortify that offensive line. Uh, they lose, remember, Chris Carson retires, so they're going with Rashad Penny. They draft Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State to be the running back, who's now injured a little bit. Just your thoughts about the Seattle plan of attack moving forward that post-Russ? Well, it's a rebuilding year in Seattle. Uh, that's evident. You know, they named Geno Smith the starter this week, and – they, they have some nice weapons. I mean, between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett yeah. and Noah Fant, I mean, that's a really good receiving core. There's a significant drop-off after Lockett and Metcalf when you yeah. go to the number three and four receivers. You know, Freddie Swain, D. Eskridge, you know, Marquise Goodwin, those guys are not even close to yeah. those other three. So, you know, for Geno Smith um, – you know, his number one objective is going to be getting the football to Metcalf and Lockett. And, you know, I've heard people ask, you know, fantasy owners in particular, do we see a down year from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? I mean, the numbers last year when Geno Smith filled in for uh, Russell Wilson, those guys, their numbers almost were the same. 
the drop off was not there. If anything, just common sense tells you, okay, if I'm a new quarterback and I'm trying to figure out how to run the offense, trying to be the most effective I can be, I don't know, maybe go to the six four receiver, uh, the standing <laughs> at 235 pounds. Hmm, that might be an idea there. The run game, uh, you know, they, they've already had some injury issues. Uh, you know, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker the third all both missed some preseason games, but they have seen a lot out of DJ Dallas and Travis Homer in these preseason games where you have depth that I don't think people realize that they had. Those guys stepped up. DJ Dallas in particular as a receiver could be a really good third down back there. The offensive line has its issues. Um, you know, the, the, the they're going to start booking tackles, booking rookie tackles. With yeah, that's, that, that is Cross. not a good sign. Yeah, Charles Cross, the first-round pick, and then Abraham Lucas, the third-round pick. I think both guys have bright futures, but yes. they're going to be very raw, and they don't have a whole lot of experience in run blocking. They both came from very pass-heavy air raid systems. Lucas at Washington State, Cross at Mississippi State. So right. that uh, that offense, uh, you know, there, there's I think it's better than people think because uh, the run game is going to be good, and you know they have some good receivers, but you know the quarterback play is suspect, and the offensive line play has got a ways to go. Seems like the last couple of years, Pete and Russ were never really on the same page philosophically. You know, Pete Carroll's a run, 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 run and play defense kind of guy. See, from, from his days with the Legion of Boom and back in the early days in Seattle, Russ obviously wanted to throw the ball more and all that stuff. So that seems to have been a ongoing, you know, butting of heads to some degree. Do you think Pete Carroll's in for the long term here? Because obviously I'm with you. I think it's a full rebuild in Seattle this year. I think they're going to be bad. Um, they, they potentially be a top five draft pick. Do you think this is a Pete Carroll's going to see this through? Or is this something where at the end of this year, if they go – they win three or four games that Pete Carroll might say, you know what? I've had enough. He remember he's 70 plus years old. You know, do you think he's here for the long term? You know, uh, I don't know one way or the other. I, I could see it being either way. I think this is going to be a big mental test, test of mental toughness uh, for Pete Carroll, because it is not going to be a good year, but you know, that the foundation I think is being laid and there's some really good parts to this i mean what they did in this draft we mentioned cross and lucas but also adding in kenneth walker and kobe bryant Tariq Wollin, boye mafe i mean there's some really talented pieces that they added yeah um even if they add we, we talked about a quarterback away with denver now it feels like the same problem almost with seattle right. next year if they go add a quarterback i mean next year they could be a playoff team uh, that wouldn't be crazy. Uh, I mean, there's there's some good pieces being added. The next year, they get more of Denver's picks as well. Um, patience is going to be so key. If if Pete Carroll, uh, you know, can sit through this, then th then the fruits of their labor could pay off down the road. But it's it's going to take time. This isn't going to be overnight, as as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So we've gone through the division. Again, it's very similar to the AFC West. This division could easily have three teams in the playoffs with San Francisco, Arizona, and the Rams potentially. Have, and, and, and I think we both agree Seattle is probably the fourth team. Who do you like out of this division and why? Uh, you know, out of this uh, division, I'm, I'm still going with the reigning champs, going with the Rams. Okay. Um, I think they're the most talented team. Uh, I think they're the best coach team I, yeah. I like McVay more than I do the other coaches in this division um but I see three teams out of the division making the playoffs I think Arizona and San Fran each get wild card berths and gonna be very good wild card teams you know talking about 10 plus wins I think for both of them this year um to me it's gonna be very competitive I think this division could come down to the very last week of the regular season but uh we'll see what happens gonna be exciting for sure no, I mean, like I said, these AFC and NFC West might be the most two competitive, most competitive divisions in all of football because of the depth of the teams. Even Seattle, Seattle will beat somebody they're not supposed to beat at some point in the division because of that home field advantage and Seattle and just just that that aura of of, of as long as Pete Carroll's been there, he'll beat somebody. You, you mean it's more beat. competitive than the NFC North? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're you're not you're not all in with Dan Campbell on hard knocks. Come on, oh Tyler. yeah, yeah. 
Oh, man. Uh, I did love uh, Aaron's interview uh, with Joe Rogan the other day. Uh, that, that was interesting. Uh, but the uh, the NFC as a whole, though, I mean, it, it is anyone's guess, yeah. right? I mean, the Bucks, their offensive line, I'm concerned about. This is the most talented receiving core Brady's ever had. Yep. But if you don't have anybody to block for you, and that's that's not good for a forty-five-year-old man, you know. And 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 uh, you know, with with the Packers losing Devonte Adams and that receiving core, I think is going to take a step back. I mean, who knows? There there is not a complete team in the NFC. No, I think you know there is probably you know at least three teams in the AFC that are better than anyone in the NFC. That's debate. Okay, I, I I don't know about three. I could get. I would take, and, and I'm with you. I think that I think the eliteness of the AFC is a little bit better than the NFC, but I think the NFC has a bunch of really good teams, four or five really good teams that could that could you could you could say either one of these five could go to the Super Bowl and and not have a not have a beef with with it either way. Two points I want to get to before you that I omitted. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins out six weeks for the Cardinals, PED suspension. So he'll be out the first six weeks of the season. And what do you think the and as the when we're recording this, there's not been a decision made on Jimmy G yet. What do you think the the 49ers do with Jimmy G? Because if the, if he's on the roster by week one, they got to pay him his full salary. Right. If they release him, they only had to pay him 1.6 million. I think they release him, and he's going to be a backup somewhere. Um, this year and i mean there could even be a circumstance where they just renegotiate his deal to be the backup quarterback right there in san francisco right he knows the offense um you know as well as anybody and jimmy g as a backup i think would be as good as any backup in the nfl so i don't think that's a crazy possibility uh potentially but i do think you know the the smart move is going to be to you know either release him renegotiate or trade him but I don't know why anyone would want to trade for Jimmy G and take on that $26 million contract right now. As far as DeAndre Hopkins goes, six-game suspension. Um, we talked about with the with the Cardinals, how they've been getting off to these fast starts and yeah. then ending the year, losing momentum. I mean, if you're looking for a blessing in disguise of some sorts, maybe for Arizona what you're hoping for is by getting Hopkins back that you gain some momentum down the line. Right. I think that's your that's your hope is that you have something of benefit there of getting him back later. Him and Marquise Brown together, though, I mean, good luck trying to cover both those guys. I mean, every pass from Kyler Murray is going to be 20-plus yards. I mean, those guys can fly down the field. It's, it's going to be unfair. And Rondell Moore is a sneaky slot guy, the slot guy, the second-year player, out of Purdue, uh, he, 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 he'll be a sneaky slot guy as well. Tyler, great work, man. Great job breaking it down, all both divisions. Uh, again, publicize where you're at online and all your social platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, find me, Tyler Jones Live. That's where I'm at, uh, doing the Jones Report every Thursday on all podcast platforms and uh, covering the NFL with uh, Chat Sports as well. Jason, thanks uh, for having me, man. Always glad to do it. I appreciate it, man. Have a great season. We'll be in touch, buddy. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.